Yo guys, what's going on? We're down at Direct Shoes. I'm here down here with my boy Mike G. We got Kristen Kaufman on. And yo, yeah, today's my, my birthday and we're hanging out. And you know, I got my 3 a.m. workout. And if you need to work out, stay in shape, you know, fight age, just go down to the work set, boy. Yeah, and you know, they'll they'll hook you up, man, with a $15 membership. Yeah, you can't beat that. Kristen, how's it going, my girl? <laughs> it's great. How are you guys? Oh yeah, we're rocking along down here in Tampa, Florida. You know the weather's good. Is that way? By the way, what is the weather up there in Cincinnati? What's the weather uh, like? A sixty uh -huh. today, but cloudy. No warmth in sight, really. So, sun <laughs> sunset, sunshine our way. <laughs> you don't get to see the sun that often right now. That's our. Well, let me ask you a question though. You know, with all the storms in the Midwest, and our are you guys kind of feeling any of that stuff or is it just like you guys got uh, a Northwestern, you know, you got a lot of snow or what, what's going on? Our, our meteorologists are really good at telling us we're getting stuff that we never get. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I like the, I like what we're here. You know, we get sunshine, sunshine, then it rains, 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 sunshine. So it works itself out. So let me, yeah. So let me ask you a question. So I know you help from Cincinnati and I was picking on you a little bit earlier about the Bengals and stuff, but overall, what is your, um, what's your profession and uh, how long have you been in it? So this is my 20th year in education. I taught French for 18 years. And then this is my second year as an assistant principal at a high school of about 2000 kids. Oh, parle français. Huh? Bonjour. Bonjour. Uh, je pas. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what you said, I don't know. <laughs> hey, so, you know, as a role has, has evolved, what made you get into education? Was it something you wanted to do or was it like you started in another career field and then you migrated to that? Yeah, so I um, got my bachelor's in journalism from Ohio University, um, got a job at Men's Health Magazine, and two days before I was supposed to go, called them and said, I've always wanted to be a teacher. I think I'm just going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> so they were like, best of luck, deuces. And uh, <laughs> I was easily replaceable, so I didn't feel terrible. And I immediately started um, a dual master certification program in education and really started teaching right away. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you know, actually, I started out in journalism also, and then I migrated over to history because I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And then, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, I better really get a job because that's more money. So I ended up going in the military for a little bit. You know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> totally understand. So let me ask you a question. Since you uh, made that transition, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced uh, going into education, uh, you know, at the beginning and kind of like now as you see yourself evolve, you know, you're a different person. You said, you know, you've been in a while. So what did you wish your expectations at the beginning and how do you see yourself now? At, at the beginning of my career, I really thought that my love for French would just carry me through. Like if I loved it, everyone else would love it. Um, and I quickly learned that education is about people, not about content. Um, and so I think that has really yeah. shaped me as an educator. And even in this role as an assistant principal, like, yes, I want my students to pass their classes, but at the end of the day, it's more important about who they are, what they want to do, how I can help them. Um, not to jump ahead, but as you know, the mental health crisis right now is real and making sure that my students are of sound mind um, to get through is really the most important part of what I do right now. You know, I just I just knocked down a... Um study and because you know i teach high school um i was doing a push now i teach honors this is my last year but i just did it for like a three-year period but the one thing that you, you touched on mental health and i'm glad you did touch on that because that is definitely something that's just not affecting high school students i mean it's even affecting uh, the millennial population overall so i being a historian i did a little research and it seems like 
the era from 75 people that were born like 75 onward to like, I think 80, I wanted to say 84. It's, it's been this big um, issue of people just dealing with things, but they say some of it was upbringing. Some of it was just that transition from analog to, to computers, but there's a lot, of, it's more, the world is a lot more complex, I think. I mean, what's your perspective? I mean, I think the world's a lot more complex than it was back in the 80s. I just think we're exposed to so much more because of technology, because we see what other people are doing and we constantly reflect and judge ourselves for not doing enough or not being good enough in certain aspects. And, and I think that's really taken its toll, especially on students. We talk about social media all the time. It's a huge issue. It is the root of 95% of the things that I deal with. Um, and so that in and of itself, I think, is is number one. Oh, yeah. The high school cancel culture is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. The self-esteem, you know, you know, even with adults, they, they did a, a study in, uh, a couple months ago and they were just talking about middle aged women. And they were talking about, you know, you have shows like The Housewives. You have all these 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 shows that are on TV that are impacting uh, middle aged women. And it's translating down to high school students because. Everybody is judging everything. You know, we had Vogue magazine in the 80s and, mm -hmm. and uh, M and all these other different magazines that affected girls uh, weight-wise, right? So we had, you know, everybody's fighting with their weight back in the 80s because of those magazines. But I think social media is a, just a bigger beast in general because it just doesn't affect the high school students. It affects, I mean, I, we, I in the military, it was affecting people, you know? So I, I think as we go forward, there, you know, there needs to be some ethics on it, possibly, but, you know, in the bigger picture, mental health in America has become, I think, is it more awareness now because uh, people are talking about it or as opposed to back in the day, nobody said anything. Just suck it up and, you know, you'll be OK. Do you think it's just because we're addressing it more, Mike, or what do you guys think? Well, I think social media is going to grow, grow, grow and grow more. It's not going anywhere. Just like an AI, so forth and so on. So, yeah, she, you guys are right. I don't know. How do you build the, the patient, Christine? How do you build the patient to become a principal? Because I know that's, that's challenging. Uh, years in the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> you build a tough skin, huh? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. And I think the hardest transition for me was not like I could deal with the stuff kids throw at me, but now I also have to deal with what our teachers and adults and parents in the community throws at us. And that was really the hardest transition for me is, is not being loved. <laughs> which is fine. That's not what I'm here to be, but I'm sure going to try really hard to, to make sure that other people feel that way, feel loved. Yeah. You know, accountability is one of the big, bigger challenges. And then, okay. I, 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 Mike knows I live in this, uh, a very affluent neighborhood a little bit. And uh, every time a teacher has a moment, they have no problem going on Facebook. Oh. <laughs> and the comments come and they come in droves. So, you know, you, you talked about some of your biggest challenges of, of the transition and you talk about being a people person, right? So people, students are cool. So as you deal with the transition of being a leader now, and that's a big difference coming out of the classroom. And now that you are in a, what I consider a, a major leadership role, because you potentially could become a superintendent. How do you navigate on the leadership? What's like kind of like, what's your leadership style? And then how do you kind of, uh, you know, navigate understanding the different personalities of the people that work with you so you know you can have you know, a little bit of cohesiveness i'm on a team of five so there's five uh, four assistant principals and a principal and we all bring something different to the table i'm the empathetic one so i'm the one that thinks of the ways that we can make our staff feel that we care about them right like 
bringing in coffee trucks, writing them handwritten notes, all of the things that make people feel seen. That is that is what I feel my role is, and that's kind of where I excel. Um, in terms of being able to communicate with different people, like that's a lot of observation and trial and error. So you go in one way and you're like, holy, this is not working. Let's change the tactic. But I also think that comes from years of experience just communicating with students and parents as a teacher. Like, I only feel I you can't just jump into this role with with nothing, right? Like you've got to have something under right. your something in your toolbox to bring and help you out. So I've got 18 years of that, 19 years now, and and that has really helped me. All right. So what are some of like, all right, so like Colin Powell is like one of the big big people that I kind of leverage on. I read some of his stuff and I, I kind of leverage, um, uh, you know, a little bit of Martin Luther King's writings. And then I go through some current, you know, motivational speakers. I love David Goggins. So as you, as you going through, who are some of the, uh, the people that influenced you? Who are some of the people that kind of, um, you kind of, you know, we all mold ourselves after our parents to some degree, but also people that just came, you know, that got in our way along the way to kind of, you know, knock us on the back of the head to tell us, hey, this is how I think you should be doing it. So, you know, what what are some of the, the people who are some of the people and what are some of the, the, the books or something that you kind of use to mold who you are today? So I love Brene Brown. I love uh, Glennon uh, Melton. I love um, yeah, uh, uh, Jess Sims from Peloton. Yeah. It's <laughs> in the back of my mind all the time. Um I had my very first principal teaching. His name was Mark Farmer. He was a remarkable man. He would go around and he'd get there at four in the morning and go to every classroom door and pray for the teachers and the students in that classroom. Awesome. I didn't know that until years later. And it just spoke to the kind of leader that I would want to be. Just somebody who is truly empathetic and caring and is about the people first. Yeah, because you're you're in a selfless service business, and and I, I tell people that all the time. I, I you know when you're dealing with with especially today, that's just not the school system. It's just that the amount of things that are just happening in general. I told well, my students the other day asked me, and they were like, well, "What bothers you the most?" I said, "You know, when I went to school in the '80s, uh, and then when I was in elementary school in the late '70s, we never had to worry about anybody coming to harm us. We never had to worry about." Um, a lot of things I said, when we came to school, it was like, you know, playtime, you were with your friends. It was like a time of enjoyment. I said, I just see the tension that you guys have when you come to school and you're stressed about learning and the pressure on you all to make straight A's. I said, you know, we like, it was like seven, oh, let us go. You know, <laughs> get a and you're happy. I said, the amount of pressure on you guys, I said, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, and then, so you have to keep learning. So as you're as you're going forward, um, are you kind of mentoring some of the the junior teachers that you think you see that possibly could be administrators later? Are you kind of like having like a mentor uh, sessions or something at the school? Um, I'm not specifically doing that, but now that you say that, yes, there are teachers at the school that I feel like I have conversations with where I'm pushing them, just not pushing, nudging, gently nudging into uh, administration, into leadership roles, maybe not directly into administration, but hey, why don't you take on this role and lead this this um, group, this club, this whatever? Yeah, you know, I was, me, me and Mike talk about this all the time because, you know, he where he works at and, you know, the things that I do. But I always tell my students that we got to get past the point of thinking everything's for pay. I told them that all the experience I have in life, if I was to have gotten paid for it, I'd be a millionaire. But the experience I got 
in life is that you can't put a price tag on when you're getting experience. And I say sometimes getting experience or things that you do for hard work uh, will benefit you down the road. You just can't see. It's like education. I was telling them all the time. You can't see the value of education until you have it. When you don't have it down the road, then you'll realize it when you're in that circle of people time and those discussions. So what are some of your biggest uh, successes and what are some of your biggest failures do you think in your life that you kind of go back and say, man, I wish I had done that differently. Well, you, or yeah, you know, yeah, this opportunity work, you know, opened the door and I walked in and I got lucky because I decided to go ahead and walk through that door. Right. Um, I, I feel like I failed a lot. Um, I, when I was in high school, I got cut from my soccer team going into high school. So didn't even make the high school team. Wow. But, I know it was terrible. It wasn't though, right? Hindsight, hindsight's beautiful because that whole summer I spent running and I'd never run before because I was trying to get in shape for the team. And then that turned me into a runner. And then I don't know, if you guys do Enneagrams, I'm an Enneagram free. I am very intrinsically motivated. If you give me a goal, I'm going to go do it. So I got this um, wild idea a few years ago that I wanted to be a bodybuilder. So I spent three years not going to social events, not eating all of the things that I love to eat, spending two or three hours in the gym a day. And I did it. I did three times. I walked across that stage and I posed and I, you know, whatever. So did you do, did you do, and I'm big into that. So did you do mm -hmm. figure or did you do uh, bodybuilding? I'm tiny, I'm petite. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. I did, the, the lowest division is bikini division, the smallest. So that right. was, yes. Yes, that was me. Um, my husband hated it. He hated that I did that because it took me away from all of the things. And But it was good for me to do, to prove to myself, like, you are capable of doing that. And that was, I mean, that's hard work. So well, That's um, a discipline. That's discipline. Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, but, you know, when I got this job as an assistant principal, I I wasn't ready. I, I wasn't quite finished with my education for it. I didn't quite have everything for it, but I got the call and they said, we think you're ready. So why don't you go ahead and do it? And, and that's this whole, like, again, to quote Jess Sims, ready is not a feeling. It's a decision. It's a choice. So you, you got to choose to be ready. Um, we try to communicate that a lot with our staff. Like you may not feel ready for this, but you're going to, you got to choose to be ready. You got to give it a shot. You got to trust us. Um, and building that trust with adults is really hard too. If I can build trust with um, with our current staff, I feel like that will be a huge accomplishment. Oh, oh, great, Mike! What do you got, man? Well, I'm still surprised she did bodybuilding. I, that was from left field. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, just um, so we talked about the patience and stuff with the thick skin. What do you What do you see? What What do you makes you happy in your in your role as assistant principal? I know you see a lot of things. <laughs> You talk to yeah. a lot of people. It's an ups and downs and all around type of days, I'm pretty sure. So what, what motivates you to keep it moving? Because it's not an easy job. I mean, <laughs> coffee helps. There it coffee is. Coffee makes me really happy. <laughs> um, I love, you know, I had a student that I did. I have a couple of students that I had to put as seniors on like a special plan to get them to graduate. There was no way that they were going to graduate this year. Seeing, putting them on that plan and just crossing my fingers and then like they've already done it. They did it like they finished in, in March. Huge. That's not my accomplishment. That's theirs. But my God, does that make me so happy that I was able to help put them on the right path. Um, talking to uh, teachers, teachers who see success in the classroom, who invite me in so that I can be a part. I miss, there are a lot of things I miss about the classroom. I miss the creativity involved. 
when they invite me in, like, it's not just me knocking on the door, asking to come in. Like, that's huge. That makes me so happy to be in the classroom with the kids. Um, all of our administration team does lunch duty. We are out there sweeping tables, sweeping the floors and mopping the tables and interacting with the kids there, even giving them that mom look when they're being too loud. Like just having those interactions with kids is really joyful for me. Yeah, I love John Wooden sweeping the floor. If you, hey, you know, I tell my students all the time, you know, if, if you can't do the little things, you it's going to be hard to do the bigger things. Yeah. You know, so let me ask you a question. So what will motivate you in the morning? Besides, because you run, you did bodybuilding, which that was the, me and Mike didn't see that one coming. So I'm going to give you that one because I honestly tell you that that's a, that is a, that's a discipline that probably only like 1% of people have because the, the diet by itself is a beast, but just the, the dedication and the hours. And I, and a lot of people, they know they have no idea. They've never tried to even do it for a month to do it for a year. You know, just because even me, I go to gym every morning at 3 a.m. And trust me, everybody thinks I'm crazy. Or Luke, because Mike be turning over on his on his bed to get his next sleep in, you know. <laughs> so so what what motivates you in the morning? I, I don't I don't work out in the morning anymore. So once I left the bodybuilding world behind, like I had to make some changes for myself to be happy. So I'm definitely an evening workout person now. Um, I, again, coffee, coffee. I will do anything for coffee. Um, but when I get home from work, I have to have that outlet. I have to go sweat. I have to go lift heavy things. I have to go like just process my day that way. Um, and that is my motivation. If I don't get to do it, there is a huge difference in my mentality. I had a back injury uh, right before Christmas and I was just cleared to start doing stuff again at the end of February. So I spent about 10 weeks walking on a treadmill. That was all I was allowed to do. And that is not the same release as running, getting your heart pumping, picking up heavy stuff, um, there was a, a different, definite difference in in my persona um, and how I interacted with people just because I didn't have any place for that stress and anxiety to go. So if you don't get the grind, see, it's like me, I'm grouchy if I don't go work out. So mm -hmm. I, I'm just going to call it what it is. Yeah. So, you know, since you've learned all of this and and you've, you've been through a lot of things, um, if you could do this all over again, and with what you know now, would you still choose the same profession or would you uh, think you would follow a different route down the road? And, and, and it's, it's one of those things, like I always tell people, everybody asks me, well, you did 30 years in the military. I said, but the advantage I was is that I did something before I went in the military. So I had an opportunity to kind of test the another world before I went into that world. And now, now we're doing, me and Mike are doing this podcast. So, you know, you see yourself now and you said you were a journalist. Would you be that like uh, that combat journalist running all over the world and, and Iraq, you know, like, hey, this is, hey, this is Christian Kaufman. I'm down here in, in <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> I look the part, so why not? Mm -hmm. um, I had that opportunity. I, I had wonderful internships in my journalism career. I was in New York City for a summer. I got to challenge the editor of Rolling Stone, like just call him out on some BS stuff that he published. Like I, I did it. I didn't like it. So I made the right choice for me. You know, I had that other, that other major, that other career, not career, but, you know, opportunity. And I, I chose not to take it. And that was the right choice for me, for sure. Oh, oh rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, what you got, man, before we had to get out of here, man? We gotta be no, here. It's a pleasure meeting you, Christine. You're very interesting. I mean, from principal to bodybuilder, from reporter to 
you've been around the world. I mean, you've, you've done many things and it's good that you landed into something that you feel comfortable doing for the rest of, you know, yes. of retirement days. I mean, you look young still, so you still have <laughs> many, 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 many years. <laughs> Pleasure meeting you though. Thank you. You as well. Younger than me. <laughs> sure. Hey, so uh, what advice, if you know, when, uh, when this podcast rolls and someone's watching it, you know, what advice would you give uh, some young, not just young people, but young adults on, on what they should do? You know, because you, you laid out a very beautiful um, journey of your life. And, you know, and somebody's starting out, uh, what, what advice would you give? Um, I think I'd say three things. Number one, it's okay to change your mind. Um, number two, it's okay to step back. It's okay to take pressure off of yourself. It's okay to give yourself a break. Um, and number three, that favorite quote, uh, being ready is not a feeling. It's a decision that you make. You got to choose to be ready. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> oh, absolutely. You know what? I a lot of people are scared to, scared to jump. You know, they're they're uh, scared to uh, make decisions in their life. Me and Mike get constantly badgered about, hey, what's your mantra for your podcast? And, you know, we always say our mantra is uh, to do be a positive person, to make a difference in the world. And, and Kristen, I appreciate you coming on today. It was a blessing. You were awesome the day before Easter. You rocked it. <laughs> and uh, we really appreciate it. And we're going to hook this up and get it out so you can share it on your social media. And maybe, hopefully, it impacts some young person's lives to make them say, you know what? I can do that, too. And be Mike. Right, Mike? Right. <laughs> And with that being said, you might go and say, keep it rolling.